0: Welcome to somewhere in the middle with michelle berard i'm your host michelle berard founder and ceo of michelle a berard llc and urban book editor and i'm really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring now you guys know i like to start by thanking ms beverly black and tribe family channel for helping me create this space for us Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I wanna say thank you to my guests on the February 21st show, author and educational mentor, Darian Tanner. You can connect with Darian on social media. If you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the February 21st show at the somewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. I also wanna shout out Bruce George of the Geniuses Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. It is so very important that we share this message with the youth, but it's not just for the kids, guys. Sometimes we all need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the genius is common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. I am super pleased to introduce this week's guest. Ana Robles is the founder of life's journey to excellence in Covina, California. She helps business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs by providing sales training and helping them create systems and business strategies in both group and one-on-one environments. Anna specializes in working with small businesses, emerging and established entrepreneurs, and independent contractors. So I'd like to welcome Anna Robles to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Burrard. Anna, how are you? Thank you for joining me.
1: Michelle, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity to just talk to you and have a conversation.
0: Well, awesome. I'm excited. Um, We met a while back, and I just thought you were interesting and fascinating, and I love talking with people and sharing their stories with my audience. And so I would like to start my interview with two questions, and if you're ready, I'll ask them.
1: I am ready.
0: Okay. Ana Robles, who are you and how did you become who you are today?
1: Wow, that's an interesting question. Who am I? Um, I am a woman that is passionate about helping others. I realized that all of my life I've helped my family, you know, which was helping my mom and my dad. Uh, We came to The United States when I was about nine years old and my parents didn't speak English so I learned English and that was where I started to help my parents translate and it's just become a way of life for me always helping other people and I realized that my passion is about helping others inspiring others and trying to help others have a better life it's that's just who I am and I think that just became Um, a part of me that I want to share with the world. And it was through the upbringing and the raising of my parents.
0: Wow. Okay. So, you know, I think that's interesting because a lot of people may not know, I mean, maybe they do more out here in California, but I think a lot of people where I come from down South in particular, don't really realize how uh, immigrants, children really kind of help them navigate the world when they come here. A lot of times, if they come from a place that's not an English-speaking country, so how did that, how did that manifest for you? What kinds of things were you helping your parents with?
1: Well, I remember coming here when I was nine years old, and I did not know a word of English. I learned English as a second language in third and fourth grade, and then I remember. Um, I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley back when, um, if you're, if that's in Southern California and I grew up in an area where it was very Anglo at that time. Now it's actually switched to more Asian American. And at that time there was very little people, um, very little, um, Spanish speaking, um, people around us. So, uh, just helping my mom and my dad when they would go to the grocery store, trying, you know, like, this is the total that they were telling them. And then, I mean, they started learning English. And then later on was, can you please help me call the gas company? Or can you call, you know, make a phone call for them here and there? And that's how it just evolved in me helping um, my parents with translating English as I was learning the language as well. And then it was... uh, helping, um, someone with babysitting and it just evolved that way.
0: So you had a lot of responsibility as a kid.
1: I did, but you know what? I am grateful for that because it made me the person that I am today. And, um, by having that additional responsibility that I didn't feel it was a responsibility. It was just, I'm helping my family. It allowed me to create or actually it allowed my inner leadership skills to come out so mm-hmm. it always somehow i ended up being that person that sort of leads without realizing it you know so i think that's interesting S- say that again i said it was good training for my parents
0: yeah i think that's really interesting because you don't you don't really think of that as a leadership thing necessarily but that's exactly what it is And that probably set you up to do pretty well as far as, you know, going forward in your career later on.
1: It did. It did because having to be the person that was helping mom and dad transition into a new um, country um, allowed me to um, also transition and be that one person that it just, to me, it's just sort of automatic. It's like, oh, this, this needs to get done. Okay, let me figure out how to do it, and I will do it. Or, and so I've always ended up in careers where I end up um, being the leader. You know, I went to school here in the United States. I in high school, I got a job working at a McDonald's restaurant. Little did I know that actually uh, was a stepping stone into leadership because I. Uh, work my way up to where I ended up becoming a training director and that took me to leadership so I feel that that's just somehow become my calling based on how I was raised
0: so it's partly uh, teaching others not just leading them in terms of, of of giving them that direction and
1: guidance but actually teaching and training Yes. And I, I love teaching and training. I love, um, if I know something, I love sharing that information. If it's going to help someone um, make their job easier, make decisions for, you know, help them with the decision making. I just love to share the information that I was given or that I found If it's going to allow you to grow and be that person that you're meant to be, and if it's going to allow you to find yourself and and reach for the stars, I am all about sharing that information and teaching. And I like to uh, teach it in detail where it makes sense and do it step by step.
0: Well, and that actually is really good because I think a lot of people need just a little more guidance. So do you find yourself working with particular types of people?
1: Um, right now, um, basically right now on my focus is I'm helping um, this, the person that is making a transition, whether it's from the college and their college graduates and they're transitioning to finding a, a job and a career, I'm also looking to the person that has had a job and is worked in corporate America that wants to transition into um, becoming their own person, finding their passion and in helping them find the clarity to be who they're meant to be.
0: And how do you do that? Give me an example. So I come to you and I am um, like, Anna, I have just left corporate America and I need to find something new and exciting to do. What would be the first thing you would do with me?
1: You know, it's, it's a conversation that I will have with you in more depth because I wanna know what makes you happy and then what is it that inspires you? Let's talk about, what's what's your skill set as well because that is also going to Play a role in where you're supposed to be going. So let's let's talk about what makes you happy. What what are you passionate about? It, is it helping people? Is it um, managing people? Is it creating systems? Is it writing? So let's talk about all those things that are you are extremely passionate about. Then let's talk about your skill set and then how you want to share that and implement it. And then we could develop. Uh, find or and find the clarity of what you need to do so whether it's becoming a a writer and writing blogs or uh it's becoming a someone that wants to help others with their health and wellness so let's talk about where you're very passionate what skills that you have and what type of training you've had and then we could um narrow it down and find the clarity so, so it doesn't happen overnight. We need to talk. So it's a, it's a process is what I'm hearing. Yes, it's a process.
0: So are you working mostly with individuals? You're working with groups? How does that, how do people work with you?
1: I am mostly working with individuals at this, at this time. I am putting together a little program where I could come into um, different offices of the people that I'm already that I already have connections with and just share with them a little bit about Having the mindset of being positive, and let's you know, when you're positive and grateful, you end up starting to manifest things in your life that it starts opening doors for you. So, I, I'm actually putting together a lunch and learn type of um, seminar where I just want to come in and give information. I'm not asking for things in return, I want to give, and when you make it a win win for everyone you actually open up this door of whether you call it the universe, whether you call it God, and you get rewarded for planting those seeds.
0: Well, and I think sometimes, I mean, particularly in a corporate environment, it's really good to have people come in from the outside to discuss mindset and kind of open people's minds to thinking a little differently because it's really easy to get kind of pigeonholed in those environments, right? Because especially I've I've worked with big companies, small companies, big companies in particular, they tend to have lots of systems in place that kind of lock people, silo people. Sometimes they don't even get to talk to people in other lines of business. Do you find that the work that you do with these groups can kind of help them
1: operate better internally? Absolutely, I think that once you, open this little door into their mindset, then they're able to allow their subconscious mind or our unconscious mind to flourish together so that you open that little window and and have your dreams really be, start becoming a reality. Because when we are children, you know, look, I, I, I'm amazed when a, a child is born, you know, you see them learning and they have, they're, fearless and they want to try everything and somewhere down the line you know as kids we play different games and we have dreams you know we didn't sit there at seven or eight years old to say I'm gonna um I'm gonna be a payroll HR person you know (laughs) we have dreams of being successful and and we play and and some you know, life sort of starts to get, maybe we allow life to get in the way and now we no longer um, water the, those seeds about our dreams. So if I could come in and just share, you know, a couple of tools that might help you find a little bit of clarity and help you um, dream again. I think that is where, when, when you dream is you become alive. And now you have hope and you're like, oh, you know what? Now I'm really going to try for, I want to buy a house or I want to buy my dream car because now you're letting your dreams come alive. And once you allow that, it inspires you to keep going forward and and to not give up. So I think, I think, yes, you know, um, coming in and having a conversation and giving you a few tools to open that door, I think it's powerful.
0: Well, and it's powerful for the individual especially because I think there <laughs> I think there's something that you said there that's really important. And it's as we get older, sometimes we let life get in the way. It's almost like we get too serious, right? We forget how to play. We forget how to imagine. We forget how to dream and we lose contact with who we were as young people, which is probably who we most were, who's our most authentic true selves right right
1: yes we forget about that
0: well and we also it makes it hard to relate to the current generation when that happens I know um, this is a particular pet peeve of my son's when he hears older people talking about oh this generation is so this and that generation is so that and I'm like dude every single generation does that to the one that came after them is because we forget right we forget what it what we were like when we were teenagers or
1: it's so true because you know when we were when we were younger when we were like seven eight nine you know between set you know between the time we were born and we were seven years old we're we're absorbing we're learning we're watching the adults and then you know um, from nine to about 13 years old. We now are modeling the people that we saw. And at that time, we were still fearless, and we would still jump over the fence, you know, <laughs> and not be afraid of falling and, and scraping, and we just get up and keep going. And then some, something happens after, you know, when we start socializing, when we're trying to be the adult that we, we are no longer, um, we're starting to put limitations in ourselves.
0: Well, and I think it's also because we feel like people are judging us too, right? Because by that time, you've had people saying to you, oh, why don't you dress this way? Or why don't you act that way?
1: Right? Right. <laughs> yes. And, and, we start, and then we start believing those, um, what others think of us, instead of believing in what we believed our, in ourselves before. So part of the tools that I work with is helping people find where their limiting beliefs came from and learn from that limiting belief so that you could overcome it. So define a limiting belief. Limiting belief is when we, we now believe that we are not able to do something that we were able to do before. You know, I, one time we, we were super confident and now we're like, oh yeah, I'm confident, but deep inside you still have that little fear. So let's find out what is that fear that's showing up that is not allowing you to be confident? What is it that you need to learn from that situation? Is it you need to learn to be brave? You need to learn to be um, more, you know, there's so many different things that prevents us from being who we're meant to be, but it's things that we adapted or adopted as we were growing up
0: well i i'm curious do you find that maybe women i know men also go through this but to some extent i i tend to feel like women have more um things put on them that are limiting beliefs as they get older you know like at least because i look now like my age versus my kids right my girls were very much encouraged to be athletic and things like that. I didn't feel like our generation, or at least my generation, I think you're a little younger than me, uh, was um, encouraged to be particularly athletic. Yeah, there were girls who were athletic, but it wasn't something that was really encouraged. And when we were, it was like volleyball instead of basketball or something else, right? What do you, do you think that maybe girls have a little bit more put on them that can cause limiting beliefs as they get older?
1: It's hard, you know, It actually, I think it's, um, equal because we mm-hmm. think of women, um, we, we're raised to be, oh, at least in my generation, <laughs> we were raised to be the female, the, the nourisher, the, you know, the, you know, the person that keeps the house, you know, and And manages that then men are taught that they have to be strong they're not they're taught that they can show sometimes emotions and so we forget that sometimes that they're put in that in that situation as well so we just don't they we don't see it as much in men that we do as women because women we are sort of taught to show um some type of emotion you know you have um some that are are taught to be the damsel in distress you know there's not the, every i think everyone is perfectly fine how they are we are all able to or to find the gifts within ourselves and to be better you know and i think some generations are taught certain things but i think sometimes women are are giving a certain set of rules to follow and men as well you know men are supposed to be the providers. Men are not supposed to have feelings. Men are not supposed to cry. So it just really depends on the generation and also our our origins, where we come from and what we're taught. So I think it's equal. We just don't really see it that way sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, and
1: maybe I wouldn't have considered
0: some of those things about men being limiting beliefs per se, even though they are just in another area, because th- I'm i thinking in terms of like going forward, going for things in your career, going for things in business, you know, things like that, where sometimes it feels like there's a little bit of a difference in the way that women are socialized versus men in those areas. So I wouldn't have thought of the emotional things as limiting beliefs, but they definitely are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Huh. you know think of, also think about how men are supposed to approach women you know back then I mean now it's different, but men were taught that they were supposed to be the the person that approaches the woman, and a lot of times they get rejected, and we don't we don't see that part that they're being rejected and they're being hurt and now they it's actually affecting their confidence, which all those little um things that affect them, affects also their careers because it doesn't necessarily, um, the limiting belief, whether it's the fear, whether it's the confidence, whether it's, are you going to be able to achieve something? It also manifests in other aspects of your life. So whether it happened on a personal level, it will still affect your um, business life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, right? Because if you get rejected personally, let's say you're trying to ask somebody out, and then you get shot down. And if you take it hard, if you take it personally, very personally, then you could easily carry that into a business meeting where you're trying to get a new client and maybe you're not exuding the confidence, you're not exuding that that energy at the right level to really have that person connect with you and want to do business with you so that that makes perfect sense actually mm-hmm. so do you find that you work more with men or with women
1: do who comes to you for for guidance is see and this is the interesting part mostly women are open to learning and developing um so the ratio is about seven women to three men so it's like 70 30 percent mm-hmm again, it goes back to women are taught to be more emotionally open than men are taught to put up the front. You're strong. You're brave. You know, it's like a little boy is playing soccer in a field and, and he gets hit really hard with the ball. And all of a sudden the coach and mom and dad, get up. You could do it. It doesn't hurt. Stop crying. So they end up learning to develop this persona of, I'm okay. I'm okay. And sharing emotions are opening up. It's a little bit more difficult than for a woman where like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to share your feelings. So mm-hmm. it's mostly women that are open to finding the clarity. And there is, those, there is men that like, I'm tired of being where I am. And I know that I'm capable of more. And those are the ones that are starting to reach out for For tools to help them be where they need to be.
0: So I think that's fascinating that you find that with um, that difference with men and women. Are you able to say, okay, I'm going to work with specifically a group of men? and i would give them a specific set of things to work on maybe as opposed to if you were working with a group of women or would everybody be working on the same types of issues
1: i usually work on a one-on-one and i would work with them the same way um i realized through my trainings that i've done i've spent a lot of time and um learning about how we communicate so we have four different, four different styles of learning and processing information. And as, a, as someone that has spent a lot of time, I realize I, I'm able to listen to how each individual processes the information. Some of us process information by listening, and the words and predicates that we use help me determine how a person is going to uh how that person is processing information so just by me speaking in the same um the same process we're going to be able to communicate so the information is the same i just change it to how each person processes so we have the person that's considered an auditory they They are going to process information by hearing and listening words and we have people that create pictures in their mind. So I need to be able to speak to them and and help them create that picture in their mind to be able to connect with them. There's others that are are more of the feeling. So let me have let's connect through feelings. And then there's a person that me like myself that I am what's considered an auditory digital I I process information a little bit different. I I need to think everything through Mm -hmm. before I could process it. So understanding how everyone communicates allows me to be able to use the same program with everyone, but just in their internal representation. So
0: how do you determine that? Is it like, I've heard of there being differences in communication where people will say things like, I feel like this. Is that what you mean? You know, where you can tell by the words that they use, I feel like this is happening, or sometimes I feel like that, or some people will say, I hear what you're saying. Is that
1: what you're talking about, kind of? That's exactly what I'm talking about. So um, I usually start try to start the conversation using all of the internal representations. I, I like to um sprinkle it like I hear what you're saying, I feel and understand what you're saying, so that I, I could then be able to um when they respond, then I will listen to their predicate. So if they're using words like I feel bit I feel this or I'm I'm thinking or I imagine this, can you see this? Um the sound of this, that just tells me. What their internal representation. So people that are auditory will, will use words like it sounds like this. I hear this. I listen to this. Um, people that are auditory digitals. Let me think about it. I know this. Um, do you understand what I'm saying. Um, other people that are Uh, On the visual, they use, it looks like this, it seems like this, I see this, imagine this. So I'm trying to listen to the person's predicates that they use the most, because that's how they are. um, When we're having a conversation, all this information is coming into our unconscious mind, and we have this filter that is helping us process, and that filter is based on the predicates we use.
0: This sounds like stuff that would help a lot of folks in their relationships. Yes. Yes. So do you find that you're ever talking to someone and they're saying, you really get me. I wish, (laughs) I wish my wife or my husband or my, you know, whoever uh, got me like that.
1: Yes, I do. (laughs) And you know, um, I have to remember that when I am in, in a business mode, I, I list I use my filters and, and take all that information. And then if I'm having just a personal conversation with a friend, I have to remember to tone it down a little bit because I don't want them to feel like I'm just uh, I'm I'm judging or so um, I ask them if somebody says wait, you know oh my gosh, you get me, you understand what I'm saying, then I ask for permission. Um, Are you open to some coaching? And if they say yes, then then I would share with them, you know what, probably this, if you try this with your significant other, this might work. Um, So I always ask for permission. I don't just share it because sometimes people might not be open to it. Yeah, that could get very dangerous. Yes. (laughs)
0: If you start trying to coach people on their relationships when you're having coffee, right? Right, right. So tell me what it is that you're working on. I know that you have a, a group that you, you work with, um, a, a business group.
1: So I actually have, a, I'm a director for Team Referral Network where I bring small business owners together and I help them become each other's sales partners. So I'm working in the San Gabriel Valley and I have different groups that I'm putting together. So currently I have uh, three chapters. By the time this program airs, I'll have six or seven chapters total. And that allows me to meet more people. And then I have my business, which is Life's Journey to Excellence, where I am working to help people transform their lives by giving them the tools that we just discussed right now. That's
0: awesome. So how do people connect with you? Do, do they get to you through your website, through social media? How do we get people in touch with you?
1: I've done it organically. I've done it through just connecting with um, uh, people on a one-on-one basis. They could currently find me through um, Team Referral Network. Um, you could just Google my name Anna Robles and my team referral network will come up. I am working on developing my, um, web page. Hopefully it'll be ready in a couple, in about a month or so, and it'll be life's journey to excellence.com. Um, it is up and running, but it has, it's not fully developed yet. So I'll hopefully be ready by the, no, by the end of the year and I'll be able to have more information there. Um, you could also find, find me on Facebook, um, through Life's Journey to Excellence, or you could uh, email me at anna at a n a at life's journey to excellence. Okay, so that's
0: anna at life's journey to excellence dot com. They can do a Google search on Anna Robles R O B L E S. Correct. And what was the other? Can they get you on social media? Can they
1: find you on Facebook or Instagram or anything? Yeah, so I have my personal um, Facebook, which is Anna, A-N-A, and my middle name, Y-U-L-I-S-A, which is pronounced Yulisa Robles. And, um, and then you, I have an Instagram, which is Life's Journey to Excellence. That's the handle on it. So you've got a lot of ways for people to get in touch with you. Yes,
0: yes. Awesome. And when is your next um, meeting? Yeah, when's the
1: next team meeting? Uh, or when do you all meet regularly rather? Well I have different chapters that I oversee so I have a Tuesday morning chapter in the city of industry we meet they meet at 7 30. I have a chapter where I'm a member of in San Dimas we meet at 7 30 Wednesday mornings. I have my Glendora chapter that meets on Monday mornings at 8 30. And I am going to be kicking off a chapter in Pico Rivera next week on Thursday mornings. Um, and all of that information is actually, when you Google Ana Robles, my team referral network ends up coming up first, and it's, um, you'll be able to find all of that information as well.
0: Awesome. Ana, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard.
1: Michelle, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure meeting you. And I'm so glad that I'm getting to know you. And I hope that I could be of assistance to you, to your audience. And I'm here to help. And I'm here to encourage others to succeed and be the best um, version of themselves.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we're going to get coffee again soon.
1: Yes. Looking forward (laughs) to that.
0: (laughs) Next up, we'll be having True Talk with our good friend, Julia Black. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, ranging from landing pages to e-commerce, Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, upload your photos and videos, type your text and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you signed up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code FIRSTYEAR. That's one S-T-Y-E-A-R. The number one Y E A R in all caps. Take advantage of the 14-day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website you'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website today. So we are back with our friend, Julia Black and True Talk. Hey, Julia. Hi, Michelle. Well, you and I, you know, people know this already. We talk, I talk too much, man. I know we talk a lot.
2: (laughs) We do talk a lot. It's fun though.
0: Yeah, we talk a lot offline. And one of the things that we were talking about was this concept of play for adults and how it's really important that play isn't just for kids and we all need to have that in our lives why do you think that play matters for adults
2: well as someone who doesn't naturally play like ever um <laughs> I've said this I've said this to numerous people. I have been an adult my entire life. I kind of look at everything. I'm a very serious person. Um and even people that just kind of meet me online and we have conversations online, everybody seems to think that I'm too serious and they take it upon themselves to try and pull me out of it and get me to lighten up. Um so I have to for someone like me um who is also very introvert very introverted um bordering on reclusively introverted um it's very important because um life isn't so serious um because because things that are fun are are good for you they're good for you physically they're good for you mentally um they're good for your stress level they're good for all your relationships all of them Um, I don't care who you're talking to, whether it's some random person that you see at the supermarket, or it's your partner, or it's somebody at work. Um, you know, being playful and being lighthearted can help with all of those things, and it increases
0: your creativity, right? For all of you writers
2: out there and
0: artists and whatnot, Mm
2: -hmm, absolutely. I mean, and it can be, you know, with anything, whether it's um you know um painting or writing or um you know doing a little dance when your when your favorite song comes on all of those things um they automatically um fuel your creativity and it helps with uh, with the the work that you're actually doing well and you know
0: i'm a big fan of playing with kids <clears throat> you know When, um, well, you know, I have three kids, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, I remember when they were growing up, we would just do goofy stuff, just little, there were certain things that we would just do just to hang out when we were hanging out together, especially when money was tight and all that. It's easy to say, oh, well, we can't go do this. We can't go do that, but we can always have fun together as a group. And one thing I used to love to do, it was so simple. We used to blow bubbles. We would just... Mm -hmm. We would just go out on the front porch and just blow bubbles and just have fun. See I, I don't know why it was so much fun to to this minute, I don't know why it was so much fun to us, but it is one of the things that we used to do. We just go on the front porch and blow bubbles right
2: well doing that stuff with kids i think is so is so much fun and and it it does a lot it does a lot to to remind you as remind me as an adult to play like my nieces when they were um they're older now but when when they were toddlers and and we would hang out um the uh you know they'd go let's have a dance party and i go okay so we would put on so i'd find some dance music that i had you know something that that was just kind of fast-paced i don't really we didn't really have dance music but i find something fast-paced and then we dance around um and it was fun and sometimes they would go you're not doing that right zia julia and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes they would say okay now it's time to now it's time to play this instead whatever it was Mm -hmm. so it was just um from my perspective somebody who who like i said is not great at play it's it was fascinating for me to look at it from the perspective of how are their brains working this is not the way that i know any any no one's no adult plays the way children play no No adult i know anyway um
0: Well, I mean, that's one of the things I think is really interesting. So like my middle child, she to this day, to this very day, she's 20 years old now, carries um bouncing little, you know, the little bouncy balls that you can get in the grocery store. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. the ones that yeah, the ones that just bounce super high?
0: Yeah, the little high bouncy balls mm-hmm. and um and bubbles in her car or and <laughs> she used to carry little miniature ones in her purse. And or her backpack or whatever. And when, when you, when kids would come around, she would pull them out and, you know, Oh, let's blow bubbles. Let's do this. And I think it's because I tried to make sure that no matter what, we always had some kind of play going on in our house, not just the kids, but also, you know, that involved the mm-hmm. adult in house too. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Um, Partly, I think it's good for your family. If you have, you know, if you have a family, I think it's good to have everybody together playing in some way, whether it's playing board games or, you know, playing, we, you know, when we came out, we would do the little stuff on there and playing different kinds of video games, but also doing, just doing little, what might be odd, unusual things. And that was just one of our things that we did. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's good for your relationships in that way, but I think it's also good you know just for your soul right because i think back to when i was a kid and i used to just love to just lie on the grass and just look at the sky and watch the clouds pass and see the different shapes in the clouds and stuff like that and now because adults don't look up i don't know if you know this adults don't typically <laughs> look up. kids are the only ones who do that they'll be walking around looking up all the time but now as an adult i only get that when i fly and when i'm flying Mm -hmm. i love having the window seat because i can do what i did as a kid where i just Mm -hmm. look at the clouds and see the different shapes and imagine different things it really fuels your creativity it fuels your imagination and i think it's a huge stress reliever because adults you know we think all the time and that's the cause of so much of our stress and anxiety it's just that constant thinking and play takes you out of that it breaks that constant thought you know what i mean Mm
2: -hmm. yeah absolutely it gets you out of it get you know it, it, it does a great job of getting you out of your head um just for a second or for however long you're doing it um but even with relationships i mean we don't even have to be talking about like family relationships i mean even even within um you know work relationships you know, I was, telling, um, I was telling you earlier about the, the company I used to work for, they would do these like department creative creativity competitions. Mm-hmm. So they did one a couple of years ago around Halloween and every department had to choose a theme and, um, and uh, you know, do something surrounding that theme. And then everybody from the office would go to each department and then they would vote on which one had the best theme Well, most of the departments uh, it was an engineering company uh, most of the departments um, Because everybody was so busy They just kind of chose a theme and everyone brought food and that was the theme So they had the Mexican section and they had the Chinese section and they had all that stuff well, it was Halloween and the and the department that I used to work for was very very into Halloween, um, and so they put on a funeral. They did a performance, <laughs> um, and everybody from the department had some kind of a role. There was one person that played the minister, and there was one person that played the grieving widow, like complete with the veil, um, you know. And they and they won. They won the competition because it was like so creative so above and beyond what everybody was thinking about but it was a form of play it got brought everybody together everybody got to be creative and every and 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 they used people's um strengths in ways that they didn't get to use them at work right yeah Um, Yeah. and it was and it was team building because everybody you know is years later and everybody's still talking about it um Hey, remember that time when we put on the play, f- that was the funeral and oh, look how fun that was, you know, so yeah. it was, um, you know, it's a great way to kind of bring everybody together and fuel everybody's creativity. Um, well, and even for distributed
0: teams, like, you know, I work with a, a distributed team as a tech writer and they have so many little, I can't even tell you. Cause you know, everybody communicates by Slack throughout the day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, these folks are the most hilarious people. (laughs) Among The most hilarious people I've ever worked with. They're constantly little jokes going on, but one of the big things is the founder of the company was huge Keanu Reeves fan, big into Keanu Reeves. And so there's always this kind of hashtag WWKD, what would Keanu (laughs) Keanu do? And that, that's, I've decided to make that kind of a guiding force in my life.
2: (laughs) Well, and given all of the really great publicity and the really great choices that Keanu Reeves has been making lately, I'd say that's a good way to go. Yeah, yeah. But I mean,
0: think about what that means about the culture of the company and how even with a fully distributed team, literally from Florida to California, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They keep a sense of play, they keep a sense of um, engagement and every very very personal engagement mm-hmm. through Slack. I mean, through Slack, come on. How do you do that except yeah. by maintaining that energy of play? And I think that's really awesome to be able to do. Yeah, it. absolutely. Well, and, and the other thing that you and I have discussed in the past is how play even factors into training and education these days, like that whole concept mm-hmm. of gamification. In training, you go and uh, maybe sign up for a course online and you might get badges or something, Mm -hmm. some kind of thing like that, that I think it helps to reinforce and encourage us to keep moving and, and going forward toward our success, whether it's in the class or in a business or in a career when we have those little different types of incentives through making it like a game. You know, Uh like in my case, one of my weak points has always been the marketing piece, not, uh, you know, it's always hard to put yourself out there when you first start doing it if you're not used to that. And how changing my thinking about it to changing the thinking about it as a game or an experiment really helped me to think about it as more of a strategic improvement over time process rather than some task I had to do that was stressing me out, right? So Uh I could try and grow in that area. Yeah. Well, what would you think are, if you had three things you thought folks should focus on with regard to keeping play in their lives or getting play back into their lives, what do you think they would be?
2: I would say the first one is to make play some kind of priority, however that you want that to happen, right? Whether it's join us join an adult sports team, you know, there are plenty of softball teams and volleyball teams and all of those kind of teams that um that play on weeknights at night, kind of after everybody's at work, or um, you know, you you decide with your partner one day, hey, we're gonna go do this new thing. Um you know do something to make it part of your life and make it a priority so that um so that you can get do something different um i would also say um to take my mother's advice find people who naturally play all the time um we um <laughs> and this is part of the reason why michelle why, why um we're I think so. Good together. As Michelle naturally plays, and I naturally don't. Um, but we are um, my 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 immediate family. We are a family of five, and all five of us are introverts. Um, and my mom's best friend, um, to this day, they've been best friends for decades. Um, is is an extrovert, a very like boisterous, amazing extrovert. Um, and my mom has my mom has t- said over the years that it is vitally important for introverts, particularly the non-social, more reclusive introverts, to have that very extroverted friend that's going to pull them out um, and kind of push them to do things that are more social and playful. Um that's and, nice and even- saying
0: that that those are the silly people in your life, right?
2: But, but, you know, but laughter is all, there's a reason why we say, why they say that laughter is the best medicine. It's important. (laughs) And I think when we're so focused on work and we're so focused on, um, you know, all of our responsibilities, it's hard to, you know, remember to laugh. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and my mom was, my mom was, I mean, she took it to such an extreme that it was always, you know, she asked my sister and I regularly, um, like, well, she did it with me. My sister has had a best friend since they were in first grade that, that is an extrovert and has always pulled my sister out, but there were times, pulled her out of her shell, that is. Um, but because I am have had a tendency to be so reclusive, my mother would always ask, who is your, who is your extroverted friend? <laughs> and when are you spending time with them because this is important um so i have a couple i have you michelle but i also have another friend that currently lives in dallas that when we were growing up she she was very much like that and in fact she has always taken it we've never really had this conversation but she has mentioned in the past that for all of the people that she sees as introverts it's part of her goal is to really get to know them and see if she can pull them out so she can so that she can really get to see who they are and how playful they are. Yeah. So um, I've kind of, I've always just kind of taken that and tried to make sure that it happens for that reason because they're fun and it's that's important cool. to have fun. <laughs> um, well, and
0: also you, you were saying to try new stuff, right? Just mm-hmm. that's yeah. what you're saying. Just like go do something different than you would normally do.
2: Absolutely and I think there was a there was a buzzfeed article. I actually went and looked it up It was written by jenna davis Um way back like five years ago in 2015. Um, and what she did she was um, She she said that she felt kind of stuck Um and was living at home and didn't was between jobs and so she had given herself a challenge um to try 30 new meetup groups in 30 days um and if you don't know anything about meetup um meetup.com it's a they have an app but it's a website and essentially you go in you type in your where you live and then what your um interests are and they bring up groups that have the same interests so if you're really into like wine tasting you can find a wine tasting group and everybody kind of goes and you get to meet new people um so what what jenna davis did is she did things she had all of these like rules that she had done so she did something every week that she was like there's no way i would ever do this um she and she did all of this different stuff the article i highly recommend it it's called um it's called let me go back to the top. Um, he—it's called. Hold on, having problems getting it out. Here's what happens when you go to a different meetup every day for a month. Um, and she did all kinds of things. She played with miniature horses. She went to a Harry Potter meetup. Um, she went to a dog park. She did all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but meetup is really good for that reason because you can go, huh? This isn't something I didn't even know existed, but it sounds kind of interesting, so maybe I'll do it. Um, and even
0: Facebook is promoting that now through their groups. I don't know if you've seen the Facebook groups ads on TV
2: lately. Oh, right. Yes.
0: Join the kazoo band.
2: Right. <laughs> go to a base go to a baseball game. Yes, I have seen those. Those are um but get out of the house. I mean, I think technology is wonderful. Um and I think um there's a lot of really, really good, helpful things that happen with technology. But I also think that um, it's important to get out of the house um, and challenge yourself and try something new um, and meet new people. Because sometimes you're gonna hate it, but sometimes you're probably gonna like it. So um, that's another really kind of fun and different thing that you can do. Awesome, so the key takeaway guys are,
0: if it's not a habit for you already, allow time for play in your life, however you want to make that happen, whether it's joining some kind of team or just building out the time of your life, developing a new hobby, what have you. Um, find people who support and encourage play and keep those people in your life. It doesn't matter if that's family, friends, kids that you know that you like to hang out with, nieces, nephews, what have you, and try new stuff join a meetup go do something different than you normally would when i first moved to town i you know always go look at groupon and find different things that i could try think about what would i never do and try it out because it can't hurt anything else you want to share with us julia
2: no just keep trying to have fun and laugh a lot it generally makes your life better and then you can also ask yourself what would Keanu do
0: Thank you so much, Julia, for joining us on True Talk. Thank you. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys tune into the show on March 27th, when my guest will be author and community activist, Dewandis Johnson. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the the somewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.